This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. We are on a series, and this is part three of Dream Quest. And, um, and so, really, I've been talking about vision this month. How many people are getting a vision in here? Glory to God. You need to get a vision. If you, if you don't have goals, if you don't have a vision, then, then any roadmap will take you there. Amen? So, in other words, you need a vision for your life. And I think you need a vision for different parts of your life. Your finances. You should have a vision for your finances and a vision for your family. And a, a vision in different areas of your life for your health. Amen? You should have a vision that you want to walk in divine health. Amen? Amen. And there's no reason why you can't. Amen. Because we believe that we that God is still on the throne, that Jesus is still healing. Amen. Amen. And so we're we're looking at two main scriptures uh, this month. And one is Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to be reading from the message translation this morning on, on this particular one. New King James for the next uh, verse. But it says in Proverbs, if people can't see what God is doing... They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. In other words, um, we need to get a revelation of what God wants us to do in this life. Amen. I don't want to do my own thing. I want to do God's thing. Amen. And I'm going to say this, that, you, you know, when we, we see Jesus, Jesus will be judging us at the judgment seat of Christ. I want to make sure that I'm judged for doing his thing and not doing my thing. Amen. Amen. And so, so we need to get a revelation. In the, and really, the way to get that revelation is to spend time with God. To spend time with God. To spend time in prayer. Amen? And, and, and get close to God. Uh, you know, I, I like that one scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. And so God has already set into your heart what he wants you to do. Do you believe that? And so all we have to do is just get... Close to God. Somebody say, get close to God. God. Amen. And then Acts 2, 17 says, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream and your old man shall dream dreams. So we see here that God can speak to us through prophecy. He can speak through us uh, to us through dreams he can speak through, uh, to us through visions. Amen. And uh, I'm telling you, God is so awesome. And I believe that God is raising this church up to make a difference. Amen. Do you believe that today? He's raising each one of you up to be a world changer. You're, you know, you're in this church because God wants you to be a world changer. He wants you changing the world that you that you are in. Amen. Amen. It reminds me of last week when we were at um, when we were vacationing. I had the opportunity to visit my uncle and my um, and uh, his daughters. They lived together in a house, and um, they were denominational people. And I was I had the opportunity to minister Jesus, and I was just talking about how good Jesus is and how how Jesus is still the healer today because they don't teach that in a lot of churches. You know, they don't teach that Jesus still heals. You know, some preachers say they don't want to get your hope up too much. You know, now, I want to get your hope up. Amen. I want your hope to go up. Amen. Because why? Because that, that's the key. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things. So you have to have hope to make your faith work. Amen. 
and you need to have a vision. So I was giving them a vision and I didn't know what I was going to do when I got over there. But I ended up preaching for an hour and a half. So I got about how Jesus still heals, how Jesus never denied anybody of healing, how Jesus never put cancer on anybody to teach them something. And I was I was just going, going. She said, how do you remember all these scriptures? I said, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God. I'm going to say this, that if you're ever in, an, if you ever have an opportunity to minister to somebody God, and you have and you have a desire to minister, God will fill your mouth. Amen. I'm going to say again, God, don't get nervous. Amen. God will fill your mouth. Glory to God. And you'll be pinching yourself like, wow, is that me? You know, and so I'm telling you, God is awesome. And, and, and God was able to move. I was able to pray for my my um, my cousin and she uh, she had a terminal disease and I'm believing the power of God's work. I got a report back that she's doing a lot better and coming out of that terminal disease. Amen. Amen. So uh, today we're talking about dreams and visions. And I'm talking to you today that you got to have a dream. But, you know, in our dreams and visions, sometimes we encounter roadblocks. Amen. Anybody ever encounter a roadblock and you're believing, Amen. believing for healing and some roadblocks, you get worse. Anybody ever believe for something and it seems like it's getting worse? You hear that saying, it gets worse before it gets better, but not in my world. Amen. I'm not going to agree with that, but sometimes it does. Sometimes when you start moving closer to God, it seems to be getting worse before it gets better. And the only reason why is because, you know, there is an, you have an adversary, not an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. He's the one with us, but an adversary is somebody arrayed against you. Do you know you have an adversary this morning? You know who that is? It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. Your, 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 your kids aren't, aren't your adversary. They're not your enemy. Who, who's your enemy? The devil. He's the, he's the prince of the power of the air, the Bible says. The Bible actually says he's the God of this world system. That's the reason why things are going wrong, because God's not in charge fully on this earth. He's in charge of heaven, but he's, he's not running the earth down here. Amen. He will only run what we give him opportunity to run through prayer. Amen. You know, like John Wesley said it this way. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. And you probably see a lot of the Methodist churches all across the U.S. and in England. And um, so John Wesley said, it seems as if God can't do anything unless somebody prays first. In other words, we need to get God involved in our lives. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So you need. And when I was ministering to my cousin, she said, I never asked God for for healing. I I was just thanking God for what he was doing in the process. I said, girl, you need to ask God for some healing. (laughs) Why? Because God wants you asking him. God wants you asking him for things. He wants you to ask him for help. He wants you to ask him. Jesus would say, what do you want? When people would come to him for healing, what do you desire? God wants you asking. Amen. We have not because we have. This is free part of it. Amen. I, I didn't have that in my notes, but you have to ask. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, ask. Yes. Amen. And so, so today we're talking about not giving up on your dreams. And we're all going to have opportunities when we're praying and believing God for things. We're all going to have opportunities to give up. We're all going to have opportunities to quit. Anybody ever feel like quitting in here? Amen. Come on. I might need to raise both hands. Amen. When you feel like quitting, raise up both hands and start praising the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just raise both hands and say, I give it to you, God. The reason why a lot of times we feel like quitting is because we're putting the whole task on ourselves. 
And really, we weren't meant to handle the task. In other words, we were meant to get God involved in the task. Really, when God gets involved, he makes everything better. Do you believe that today? So in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is a favorite scripture of mine. It says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, New King James Version. It says, there's no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. faithful. He's faithful, amen? Even though it may not look like that he's answering your prayer, and it may not look like he's faithful, I'm going to say he is faithful. Don't ever judge God by the time that you give him to make sure your prayer comes to pass. Amen. In other words, you need patience. Glory to God. But it says here, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will always make a way of an escape that you may be able to bear up under it. In other words, we're going to be tempted to quit. We're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. We're going to be tempted to say it's just way too hard. No, my Bible says the way of a transgressor. Is hard. My Bible says his yoke is easy. Am I talking to the right crowd this morning? His yoke is easy. But pastor, it doesn't feel too easy for me. I've been in a struggle, man. I've been. Well, sometimes you, 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 you are your own worst enemy. <laughs> oh, man, nobody wanted to hear that. We've got three amens on that. Sometimes you are your own. It's the man in the mirror. You might need to look at yourself. Maybe you're opening the door to some things that are happening. Not me, Pastor. Yeah, you might be. You know, you might be opening the door. You know, what we say that comes out of our mouths, amen, uh, will rule us, amen. And we want to make sure that we're speaking life and not death out of our mouths, amen. We want to speak life to to our days. We we don't want to speak death-filled words. We want to speak life-filled words. And if we, we're speaking death, then we're opening the door for the enemy to come in and to, to raise havoc in our lives. Are you hearing me today? So we're going to look at, we're going to contrast some Bible characters this morning uh, on some of these Bible characters went through some stuff where they probably should have quit, but they, but they hung in there and they received the blessing. They, they, they actually, they served God in their generation and And they became what God wanted them to become. Amen. And I'm going to say this to you today. You're becoming what God wants you to become. Amen. As long as you stay under the word of God. As long as you stay submitted and committed. Glory to God. God is going to make you into something. You don't need to make yourself into something. God is going to make you into something. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So we're going to talk a, a little bit about Joseph this morning. And Joseph's in a book of Genesis, and we probably all heard about Joseph. But Joseph had a dream, and he had uh, uh, eleven uh, brothers, and and he and he was the one of the youngest. He was the uh, the youngest in his family, or one of the youngest. He wasn't the youngest. They they had actually uh, twelve kids in the family, but Benjamin did not come at that time. And Joseph had a dream. And um, and, you know, I'm going to say this. When we have dreams and visions, we need to be very careful who we tell our dreams and visions to, because some people aren't excited about your dreams. There are some dream killers out there. There are some naysayers out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And you might have a dream to pay your house off in, in half the time or you may have a dream, but you're going to have people say it can't be done. No, it can be done. 
Amen. With God, somebody say, all things are possible. So with God, all things are possible. I got that revelation that, you know, yesterday I was just meditating on the fact that God lives in me. And that God, you know, you know, where I go, God goes. That's a pretty good revelation. A lot of people don't have that revelation. But you need to get a revelation. If you have Jesus in your heart, wherever you go, God goes. And you got the God of the universe abiding. Greater is he that's in you, right? Than he that's in the world. And so you're not by yourself. Amen. God is with you. And God was with Joseph. But I think that he, he needed some things to learn. Amen. And so let's look at Genesis 37. And we're going to start with verse 5. And uh, here, uh, and we're going to work through set, uh, verse 7. Uh, if you found it, just say amen. And it says here, Genesis 37, 5 through 7. It says, now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Amen. He had some haters in the family. Anybody have any haters out there? And, uh, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaves arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So, you know, uh, Joseph, you know, he was the baby of the family at the time. And, uh, you know, his, his father um, gave him preferential treatment and made him a coat of many colors. And he was he was blessed. All, the youngest one in the family normally is a little bit more spoiled. Okay, how many, how many, anybody in here is the youngest in the family? Okay, we won't go there. But normally the youngest, you know, because they're all worn out from the others. <laughs> Parents are all worn out and disciplining and all that. So by the time they get to the youngest, they just give up their hands. And say, well, whatever you want to do, you know. Youngest get away with their murder. They normally get away with murder, you know. And uh, so, but, uh, so this, we got some young people in here, don't we? Okay, we won't go there. But anyway. <laughs> I was in the middle. Uh, you know, I wasn't the youngest. I was the ignored one. So I was in the middle where, you know, my brother got all the discipline, you know, because he always messed up. And then my younger brother got, got babied. And I was, you know, just left out there. You know what I'm saying? And that's why, I, you know, they say the middle child is the most well-adjusted child because he learns how to. Okay, we won't go there. <laughs> any middle children? Uh, any middle pe- Okay, good. Then you guys are well-adjusted. You learn how to work both ends of the table. You guys are the negotiators. That's right. The middle kids, are, they know how to negotiate. I, I negotiated my allowance. I, I said, Dad, 10 cents a week is not enough. You know what I'm talking about? And that was in the 10 cents. Didn't, you didn't buy much for 10 cents a week. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, Dad, we need to move this up to $2 a week. I'm talking about, man, man I had faith. And did you know what he did? He didn't only raise mine. I said, and I'll work around the house. I'll do some work around the house for it. You know, I'll, I'll vacuum the floor, help mom out a little bit, take the trash out. And so he, he went with it and he raised my, 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 my allowance to $2 and gave all the other, uh, my other brothers $2. I should have got some kind of commission from them, but I didn't think about commissions at that time. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So, so the middle kid is very well adjusted. Amen. 
he's probably a little half cracked. He's a crack nut anyway. Um, but we won't go there. And so in Genesis 37, 19, 20, uh, it, it goes into the story of Joseph. And, uh, it, and he, he, his father sends him out to, to, to check on his brothers. So that's the reason you know, he was always checking on, making sure they're doing the right things. And it says here in Genesis 37, 19 through 20, it says, Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see that uh, we shall see what will become of his dream. So uh, so they actually threw him in the pit and, um, you know, uh, and they really had an intention to kill him. But good thing the oldest brother said, we don't want to do that. And um, and then one of the brothers came up with an idea to sell him into slavery. And so, you know, I'm, you know, the devil, he's out here to kill your dreams. He's out here to send some people your way to try to discourage you. You know, you don't need to look for discouragement. It will come. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? It will come. That's why the Bible says always pray without fainting. Why? Because you're going to have opportunities to throw in the towel. You're going to have opportunities to say it ain't worth it. Forget about it. As they say in New York, forget about it. You know, but you don't want to forget about it. You want to stay. You want to stay in God's grace. Amen. And there's no grace. The Bible says they that draw back. God is God is not pleased with those that draw back. God's pleased with those that press in. See, because this this life is a press in life. You've got to keep pressing. Anybody work out in here? Amen. If you if you no no work, nobody works out in here. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Amen. But when you work out, you got to press against weights. And what that does, it builds your muscles up. As you can see, Pastor Dave is pretty fit. OK, we won't go there, but and uh, but it builds your muscles up. And so really. The obstacles in life, the things that we encounter, uh, if we operate in the right way and we look at it at the right way, it will build our spiritual muscles up. Because you know what? We're going to encounter. That's why there's gravity. If there wasn't gravity, our muscles would, would, would um, disintegrate. That's why when they go in space, you know, they, they, when they come back, their muscles, there's no gravity. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So we need some pressure at times to keep us moving in the things of God. So, so we need to, we need to make sure I'm going to give you some keys here that will help you to move forward in God. And, um, uh, and this is what we're going to encounter when we're trying to move forward and trying to accomplish some dreams. Um, we need to keep moving forward, even if it doesn't start off well, Amen. when you start trying to do something in God or trying to do something in him, even though it may not start off well, you need to keep pressing in. We need to pursue God-given dreams even when things start off bad. You know, I think about Jesus and, you know, you, you know Jesus should be an example for each one of us to look at. And he's, he's really, he's the one that the, that the disciples were following. And you'd think that Jesus, you know, he's the son of God. He, he shouldn't have had any problems. But Jesus encountered lots of problems. But he didn't allow the problems to keep him down. And I, I think about Jesus and his first ministry uh, right out. You know, he, he, he was baptized by, by John. 
uh, his cousin, and he, he went into the, the River Jordan. He came out and the power of God came upon him. And God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tested. Oh, you hear what I'm saying today? So he was driven into the wilderness to be tested. And, um, and, and the devil is out here. To, God's not testing you. To see what you're the devil's out here and he's coming against you and he's trying to test to see if there's any word in you. Because what the devil wants to do is he wants to make sure if, if you're standing on the word, he's going to challenge any word, any promise of God that you're standing on. Bet your bottom dollar whenever you start standing on a promise of God, there's going to be some opposition. The enemy's going to try to come against that. His whole goal is to st- steal kill and to destroy. He wants to steal the word from you. And if you have no word, you're in trouble. You got to keep some word in you. Amen. That's why you're coming out on Sunday mornings, hopefully to get a fresh word this morning. Glory to God. Something to keep you moving forward in God. Are you listening to me? And so, so, so Jesus, you know, he went into the wilderness and he whooped the devil big time. Whenever you're a word person, no matter what the enemy does to try to come against you, if you if you're a word person, I'm telling you, you're going to send him packing every time. And so so so, you know, of course, the devil challenged him in the wilderness. We're going to be challenged. Amen. In our walk with God, in the dreams that God has put in our hearts, we're going to be challenged as we're moving towards those dreams. And then as soon as he came out of wilderness victorious. Uh, he came out with us. He went into the synagogue and he preached his first sermon. And when he preached it, he said, the spirit of God is upon me. You know, when you win some battles, you start feeling, yeah, God is with me. The spirit of God is upon me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Glory to God. You need to start speaking that way. Amen. The enemy doesn't want you speaking the word. So he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And so he, he preaches and and he then he, he says some other things to the people in the church. And now he was in his own hometown. And of course, you know, a prophet is not welcome in their own hometown. In other words, you know, you're, you're normally an expert 50 miles away from your own house. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so, so, so you're never an expert in your own home. Amen. I'm not an expert in my house. I won't go there. But anyway, uh, but uh, uh, so, 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 so Jesus really didn't get a lot of respect in his own hometown. And so he started talking about Elijah, you know, that God, you know, uh, healed a, a person outside of Israel and, 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 and took care of a widow outside of Israel in Sidon. And, and, and he was saying basically that God can move outside of where they were at. And, and, and the people got mad at him. I don't think I don't think Jesus was trying to win a popularity contest in his first preaching. I don't think he was running for for governor. Amen. I don't think he was being a politician. And that was and and, and Jesus, you know, he he would face the the Pharisees and the Sadducees straight on. And it says in Luke 428, after he preached his first sermon, it said, I'm glad it didn't happen to me when I preached my first sermon. It said it says in Luke 428 through 30, it says, so all those in the synagogue When they heard these things, they were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him, Jesus, out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill in which their city was built 
that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. So think about this. You know, you know, I I don't know if it started off real good with Jesus. I mean, think about that. I I don't know, you know, him preaching a sermon and them trying to throw him off a cliff. I don't know if it started off well. But Jesus kept on preaching. And I'm going to say this just because your start is not too good right now. It's not the end of the story. It's not over until the skinny lady sings. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm trying to be politically correct this morning. Amen. So it's not over till it's over. In other words, it's not over until God says it's over. It's not even over if you're dead. Oh, pastor, what are you talking about? Uh, If you're dead, then it's over. No, 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 no. It's not even over if you're dead because Lazarus was dead for four days in the grave and Jesus raised him up. He was dead. He was in the grave. He stinketh. As his sister said, we don't want to open that grave up because it stinks. And Jesus said, remove that stone, right? And he said, Lazarus, some of you need to come forth out of your cave this morning. You need to come forth out of, out of that doubt and that unbelief and, 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 and that, you know, that bad attitude. Amen. Some, I'm telling you, I really believe that our walk with God and walking in the vision that God has, a lot of it has to, do, has to deal with our attitudes. How are we dealing with what's going on around us? Am I, am I getting a witness this morning? Glory to God. Amen. Or have you gone home? Amen. Oh, praise God. God is so good. And so see, so, so Jesus, it, it, it appeared that he started off bad, but you know what? God was with him. And he was in right in the middle of God's will, even when they were trying to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through that crowd. And no matter who's trying to throw you off the cliff this morning, God is, you believe that God is with you. Now, in, in, uh, it, now we're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus. And Saul was one of the greatest apostles in the book of Acts. And, uh, and he was the most unlikely candidate to be chosen to be an apostle. Think about this. Saul of Tarsus, he was the one that was, he was, he was the one that was coming against the church. I mean, he was in total agreement in, in, in Christians being stoned. And I'm not talking about them getting a six pack of beer or anything like that. I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. That's in my day. I guess they don't hear that today. The young kids don't know about what stone means. I guess they do, but I don't know. But, but I'm talking about, you know, are you listening to what I'm, t- I'm saying today? He was in hearty agreement for Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He was holding the coats while the guys were picking up the big stones to throw and hurl at at Stephen, you know, you know, a patriarch in the church. And so, you know, God will use the most unusual people. God can even use your children, believe it or not. Say, not my kid. No, God can use the most unusual. God can use your kid. Amen. But you don't know how rebellious and now. No, no, no. God can use anybody. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so he picked Saul of Tarsus, uh, who who persecuted the Christians, and he made him one of the greatest heroes of faith in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy, I love this, because it says in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14, it says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is 
this is the Apostle Paul in his writings, because he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly, formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So he said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled Paul, he's saying, who enabled him to do what he was called to do. And uh, he counted Paul faithful. And I'm going to say this, that if you're going to walk out your vision and your dream, you're going to have to be faithful. You're going to have to be faithful to the calling of God in your life. You know, that's the bedrock of dreams coming true. A faithful person. The Bible says a faithful man will abound in blessings. And so we see. So so he considered him faithful. And Paul was faithful in killing the Christians. Now, now, now God just got him over into the other side. Now he was faithful in healing and building the church of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? And so, so the, second, uh, the second key is, don't give up on your dream, even if the journey is full of challenges. So the first key is, if, if, it starts, if it doesn't start off good, you know, Paul, he started off blind. You know, he was knocked off his horse. He fasted. He, was, he didn't eat food for three days. Uh, God, God moved on a, a, another Christian to pray for Paul and, and his eyes were able to see the scales removed from his eyes. He started off in ministry blind and fasting. So, that, you know, that that may not be started off good. Amen. So 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 here, even if the journey is full of challenges, keep moving forward. You know, chances are going to be that 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 um, the chances are that that. That's going to be is that we're going to encounter twice as many challenges as we're going to encounter wins. And so I'm going to say this, that we're going to you need to be ready for some challenges that that's going to come your way when you're walking with God. Think about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery to Potiphar and uh, Joseph became a slave uh, when he came out of his family. You know, he was the. He was the, the blessed son in the family, but he was sold. And, you know, that would be considered, you know, a, a moment of giving up for Joseph. Joseph was living in a strange country far from his home. That was probably another opportunity for him to give up, you know. But Joseph was made the chief steward of Potiphar's house. That was an opportunity for him to go forward. So even though that he was a slave even though he was away from his home, out of his culture, God was still with him and he had favor even under uh, under the uh, lordship uh, of the Egyptian. Amen. Uh, he was, you know, I'm going to say this in his in his lordship over at the, at the house that he was in. He was a falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape. You know, Potiphar's wife wanted to get with Joseph. We all know the story. And, you know, and, you know, what was amazing about this is that Joseph kept sexually pure and he wasn't going to do that to Potiphar and he wasn't going to do that to his God. And he and he kept pure. And even though he was doing the right thing, the wrong thing happened. And sometimes as Christians, we can do the right things 
And sometimes the wrong things can happen at times. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? We're trying to do the right thing and the wrong thing. So, so she was, you know, she, she, she had lust for, uh, she, she was lusting after Joseph. And, and lust will turn into hate in a New York second. Are you listening to me? In a New York second, lust will always turn into hate. Love will not. And so because she was, you know, rejected by, by Joseph... She, 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 now she, she had, she was angry. And so she accused Joseph of rape. Amen. And then it got, it, it went from bad to worse. Has it ever gone to bad to worse? Yeah. <laughs> it just, you know, you thought, well, this is bad. And then you get even more bad news. Jesus. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? Then, uh, then, you know, Potiphar had him thrown into the prison. So, so when he was accused of rape, was that a give up moment or a, go, or a go on moment? Somebody say give up moment. Yeah. And so when he was thrown in prison, was that a give up moment or a go on moment? It was a, I think you said give up moment. <laughs> and then, but even though he was in the prison, he, be, he, he was put in charge of all the prisoners. Amen. Was that a give up moment or a go on moment? That was a go on moment. So even though that he was in a process and, and God was putting him through the process, God was always with him. Amen. And he seemed to be always rising. You see, when you keep God in your equation, you will always rise to the top like cream. Amen. You will always when you keep God in your equation. So so he so he was, you know, he was able to interpret the cupbearer and the. The, the cupbearer of the, of the Pharaoh came into jail and so was the, the baker and they were in jail and he was able to interpret their dreams. And uh, and he told the cupbearer to remember him. I don't know if you remember that or not. When you get to Pharaoh, remember him. Let him know that I have a gift. And, you know, and the, and the cupbearer forgot him. Was that a go on moment or was that a quit moment or a move forward? Moment? That was kind of a quit moment. He, he was ready to leave the jail. Amen. And then uh, he stayed in prison for two more years after that. Was that a go on moment or a quit moment? That was more, or a give up moment. That was more of a give up moment. But then that faithful day, you know, that, that the cupbearer remembered him. Hey, just somebody say God's timing. God's timing. See, I, it's not your timing. Amen. I mean, I wish I could say, God, at this day, this is what I want to happen right here, this particular moment in time. No, it, it's up to God when he's going to release the ble- You don't know when the blessing is going to be released. That's why you always want to be in church. Amen. Amen. Because God may just throw a blessing on you that, ooh, glory to God. You don't want to miss church service because that blessing may be dropping down from heaven. Glory to God. You might get a Holy Ghost handshake that morning. What's a Holy Ghost handshake? I mean, that's when somebody slips a $50 bill into your hand. That's a real Holy Ghost handshake. Have anybody ever had those handshakes? Anybody ever give those handshakes? Okay. Amen. A Holy Ghost handshake. We call it, I don't know. We call it a Holy Ghost handshake. I don't know if it really is or not. But anyway, it sounds good. And so, and so he didn't give up. Amen. And we don't want to give up our dreams if, if, if it really, if it takes too, you know, we, if we feel like it takes too long. Amen. In other words, we, we, it says in Habakkuk 2, 3, the living Bible, it says, but these things I plan, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, 
Surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. There will not be overdue a single day. Think about that. So this is this is Habakkuk, and, and this is the Living Bible translation that I just read to you. And it says that, you know, I, I like what one person said. Um, that that uh, slow is not always bad. Amen. It's, it's slow and steady, fast and fragile. I got it. So that was that was uh, that was um, Joyce Meyer's husband. She, he said slow and steady, fast and fragile. Just because you're able to do something really fast doesn't mean it, it, it's going to last. Amen. Just because you're put in a position like that doesn't mean you're going to keep your position. You see, Saul, King Saul, you know, he was put in a position, but he wasn't a very good king. Are you listening to what I'm saying? King Saul was the first king in Israel, and he was anointed to be king, but you know what? He didn't learn a lot of life lessons. And he, was, and, he, and he became king, but there was, he didn't have any foundation beneath him, and he, I believe he was moved into leadership way too fast. But God, but God raised him up, put his grace upon him. He became king, but he, 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 he became a lousy king. In other words, he didn't learn to listen to God. And, and, so, and so God had to remove the anointing off of his life. And what, what happened? He put that anointing on King David. And think about David didn't automatically become king. You know, David, you know, he started off, you know, uh, uh, killing the giant. He started off. You know, they say the scholars say probably at 17 years of age, you know, he was a teenager when he took Goliath out. And then he then he became head captain of Saul's army. And he and he had all the he won all these battles. And then just a few years later, Saul started hating him because the ladies started saying, you know, Saul kills his thousands. But David kills ten thousands. And Saul was like, no, man, I don't like that. And, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, David was saying, ladies, quiet down, <laughs> you know, and the ladies saying, David kills his 10,000, Saul just thousands. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying today? And Saul got jealous of David. And then, you know, pretty soon Saul was throwing spears at David and trying to kill David. And, you know, it, and do you think that, that David thought, oh, I'm going to now, you know, he thought he was going to be heir to the throne. He thought he was going to have it easy. Why? Because when he killed Goliath, you know, the Bible said the taxes would be taken care of of his family. So they wouldn't have to pay any taxes and that he would get, you know, King Saul's daughter in marriage. Hey, that's one step closer to the throne. God's going to make it easy for David. Right. But you know what? It didn't come out that easy because Saul started hating on David and David had to run from Saul. David learned some lessons through the process and I'm, I'm going to say this, you're going to learn some lessons and it made David a better person when he became king. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? So David wasn't automatically thrust in to kingship when God, when, when God anointed him. Amen. It, took, it was a process of time and it may have been about, you know, seven, eight years before he, he, he reigned as the king uh, for 30, uh, when he turned 30 years of age. And that was only of Judah. It took seven more years for him to actually be king over the entire uh, Israel and Judah, the entire, you know, uh, uh, people. So, so it, it, somebody say process. process. 
And so it's going to be a process. Amen. I like what Galatians says. It says here, this is one of my favorite scriptures when I feel like giving up. Amen. If you feel like giving up, you need to hold on to a scripture like this. It says, it says in Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, let us not grow tired doing good. For in due time, we shall reap our harvest if we do not give up. Another translation says, if we do not faint or lose heart. Amen. We, you know, in other words, keep doing good. Keep being your best. Joseph, even though he encountered some setbacks, he just kept being his best. He kept doing the right things, even when the wrong things were happening. And he kept, he kept being faithful to God. He kept doing the right things. And, and pretty soon he was promoted to second in command of Egypt. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 is another scripture that I love that when you feel like giving up, you need to stand on. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. What is the enemy trying to do? Get you, get you to cast away your confidence in God. Get you to start thinking that God's not really for you, that God can't really help you, that, that God is not in your corner. Amen. And so it, a lot of times when, it, when we're in, in the trial in a, in a long period of time, we feel like giving up. Amen. Job, I, I know Job probably felt like giving up. Amen. But you know what? Job kept his integrity and God turned his situation around and there was double for his trouble. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today, saints? So it says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance or patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So so even though the, the promise tarries, continue to move forward in the promise. Amen. Until it comes to pass. Praise God. So I'm going to give you three principles uh, that will continue to help you make your dream come true. And we need to. And these are key principles in life. We need to recognize and value the process. We need to recognize and value what God is trying to do. See, listen, I'm going to say this. Can I say something to you today, saints? You're not Christians to be comfortable. Oh, OK. I bet. A lot of people say, I'm, I want to be a Christian so life can be so I can be on easy street. So life can be just so easy and, and, and God's going to take care of all my problems. I'm never going to have any issues. No, God didn't call you to be comfortable. This is not a gospel of being comfortable. It's a gospel of commitment. You may not always be, you may not be too comfortable coming to church on Sunday morning. You may want to sleep in on Sunday morning, but God says, get out of bed and get to church. You, it may not be too comfortable for you to read your Bible, but God says, you know, study, show yourself approved, read your Bible, get in. It may not be too comfortable, be nice to Mr. Nasty, but the Bible says walk in love. It's not, we, we think, you know, we think if we, we, we think all prayer is, is praying our problems away. Lord, just move the problem out of the way. Just move the problem out of the way. Amen. You might be the problem. We won't go there. Amen. So we need to, we need to recognize and value the, the process. Somebody say recognize the process and value the process. In first Peter, it says here. So be, uh, it says in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, it says, be, be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through, though your faith 
is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So, so, so what, is, what is Peter saying here? He's saying that there's wonderful joy ahead. You know, Jesus was able to encounter the cross and he was able to endure the cross and the shame of the cross. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. It wasn't like, oh, wow, Woo, man, I'm going to the cross today, guys. He, his flesh recoiled going to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. I really believe he didn't want to be separated from his father for not for one moment. I think that more than just the pain of the cross and the beating and all that, it was that separation from the father. He didn't want to endure that. But he knew that he had to endure the separation so that we could be connected. And the Bible said, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. For the joy set before us, we're going to have to endure some cross days. We're going to have to pick. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You're going to have to have a you're going to have to pick that cross up every once in a while. Amen. Amen. I, I know a guy that went around the world. He, he, he carried a cross and he preached Jesus around the world. Have you ever heard of those guys doing that? They had wheels on the back of the cross, but I won't say anything. But anyway, <laughs> had a little training wheels. But are you here? If I was going to carry a cross, it'd be no wheel. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, but but we're going to have to carry our cross. Amen. And but we carry the cross. But why? Because there's joy at the end. There's joy, even though there's a struggle that we're encountering. There's a joy at the end. What's what's the joy for us? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't want God just saying when I get up there. Well, and that's it. No, well done. Thy good and faithful servant. James says it this way. In the book of James, it says, My brethren, count it all grief and misery. And talk about your problems when you fall in various trials. Talk about how big your problems are and how they're swallowing you up. No, no, James did not say that. James doesn't say focus on your problems and focus on the bigness of the mountains. No, you know, like Jesus, Jesus didn't say talk about your mountains. He said, speak to your mountains, speak to the debt, speak to those situations, speak life, speak grace to your mountains. We need to start speaking more grace. And I said, my brother, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you are perfected in patience and you can walk in patience no matter what's going on in your life, the devil has no handles on you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's only when you get out of patience when you want to quit. It's only when you say it's not, you know, you, you get out to the place where, how long, God, do I have to suffer? How long do I have to deal with this? Listen, listen, the, God's grace is sufficient for you. Paul prayed that prayer three times. God, I got some problems. And Paul prayed that prayer and said, I got some issues. Jesus, remove it from me. And, and, then Jesus, and then he heard, my grace is sufficient for you. 
In your weakness, I am made strong. And then Paul says, I will glory in my weaknesses. Why would he say that? So he can have more strength. He was, what he was saying was, well, I will glory in the weakness. In other words, where you're weak, God can bring his strength into your weakness and make you strong. Do you believe that this morning? Am I preaching to somebody this morning? Are you listening to me this morning? Glory to God. We need to count it all joy. We need, we need to count it all joy when we're encountering those trials. We need to praise God. That's how, listen, that's how Abraham did it. That's how Abraham was able to, I mean, 25 years is a long time for the promised child. It took 25 years. But the Bible says he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. How are you going to grow strong in faith, give glory to God in the misery that you're dealing with? Are you listening to me today, saints? That's how you grow strong in God. Number two, we have to refuse not to allow offense in our life. Amen. Joseph didn't allow offense in his life. He didn't allow his brothers for that offense to be in him. He could have had all his brothers executed. He had that power. He he could have had them executed. But no, no, he didn't allow offense to come in. In Genesis 50, 20, it, it says here, Joseph says this, Indeed, you meant to harm me, but God intended it for good. That's where we always get that scripture. Whatever the enemy means for harm, God can turn for good. Do you believe that today? Whatever the enemy means for harm. Listen, listen, your fight is not against people. It's against, we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the devil that's your enemy, not people. And, and yes, people might yield to the devil. You know, you can yield to the devil. You can yield to, to unbelief. You can, you can yield to unforgiveness. You can yield to the devil. Even as a Christian, you can yield to the devil. Peter yielded to the devil. Peter, you know, was walking with Jesus. And Peter said, and, Peter, and Jesus said, who do you men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the, the Christ, the, the, the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You, you, and, and, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Bojona. Uh, I can't even say it. Amen. <laughs> I'm getting excited here. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. And so and so listen, you need to get a God revelation. Peter had a God revelation, but he got lifted up in pride. And he started telling Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindering and a stumbling block to me. And what do you think Peter said? Peter's kind of like, <laughs> Peter probably walked away like, oh, my God. Okay, Jesus. Oh, yeah. The Bible doesn't say what he did, but, you know, Peter, he didn't get offended over that. Most people would have got offended over that. Peter did not get offended over what Jesus said. Peter stuck with you. Don't get offended what I preach. Glory to God. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying today? And so number three, always remember that whatever you're facing, God is with you. I want to say this, whatever you're facing in this life. You know, God is with you. In Genesis 39, it says, but the Lord, in 39, verse 21, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy as he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the, uh, uh, in the sight of the Egyptian, master of the Egyptian. And then, uh, so God was with Joseph. Say, God is with me. And then God, and it says in Genesis 39, uh, 39, 2, and then 39, 21, it says that God was with him in prison. Say, God is with me. 
Then it says in Psalms 139, 8 through 10, it says, if I ascend into heaven, it says, you are there. So, it, and that's obvious, but he says, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So he says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, God is there. And even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In Psalms 46, 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present ever help in trouble. God is with you. God is there. When you pass through the waters... It says, I will be with you, Isaiah 43, 2. When, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Think about that. I think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You know the story of the three Hebrews that will not bow down. You know, even though the, the, the Pharaoh or whatever at that time, the king said, you know, if you don't bow down, you're going to burn. But you know what? They were thrown in that fiery furnace. And, and it said that, that that king at that time didn't see three, but four people. And the fourth one looked like the son of God. Even though you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. Glory to God. Why? Because God is your protector. It says in Jeremiah 1, 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1, 19 says they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. In Matthew, Jesus is teaching and in, in Matthew, he says, teaching them to observe all things, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you listening to me today, saints? God is with you no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through. You got to remember that God is with you. He's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that will abide in you and never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe that today? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're encountering, God is with you. Sometimes we think we just need to fast and pray for a week to see if we can get a word. No, God is, you don't have to do all that. God is with you right now. Just believe that, that God is with you this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just honor you this morning. and We just thank you, Father God. And I thank you, Father God, that I know there are people in here that have dreams and goals and they, they want to accomplish. And I know, Father God, that you're going to help them accomplish those dreams and goals. And Father God, we are nothing without you. Oh, Father, we, we, we need you in our life. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And, and you have, you've been trying to make it work yourself. You've been trying to make life work yourself. You've been, you've been doing it in your own strength and in your own ability. No, no, God wants to come into your equation. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. If you're ready to make a profession of your faith, and you're ready for God to come in to help you with this life, to help you do life. Just say this after me and mean in your heart. Say, dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised in the dead for my justification. Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. And I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.